On today's Knickknack Podcast, we talk about Ernie Grunfeld being relieved of his duties as president of basketball operations for the Washington Wizards, as well as Bryce Harper's return to D.C. to face his old team, the Washington Nationals. I mean, we're, you know that this is a D.C. sports Focus podcast sometimes, and uh, this this kind of topics are clo- uh, these kind of topics are close to our hearts. So we wanted to kind of go off on them for a little bit. We haven't talked in a little while with you guys, um, so we went from there to a few random places like Game of Thrones and us, and uh, talked about some topics that we've kind of missed out on in the last couple of weeks. So uh, hopefully you enjoy the episode, and don't forget to uh, like, rate, and review us on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, and Spotify. It really does help us out. And follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Pod, And you can read some of our stuff online at knickknackpodcast.com. All right. Enjoy the episode. Coming to you from Washington, D.C. Covering the latest in sports and pop culture. This is the Knickknack Podcast. Hello, hello, hello. And welcome to the Knickknack Podcast. Podcast today is Tuesday, April second, twenty nineteen. It's been a few months. We missed you guys. I'm Knuckle Batia. I'm joined by my co-host Nick Upal. Nick, what's up, man? I'm good, man. I think we owe our uh, supporters and followers uh, apology, man. It's been way too long. Uh, we haven't forgot about you, but we're back, and I uh, hope we can keep this going uh, weekly again. Yeah, I mean, it was it was getting to like a little dull period. Uh, I mean, NBA season's kind of wrapping up baseball free agency was moving at snail's pace there's a lot of stuff that we that we just did not get to and then today the story of all stories broke and, and i was like all right we gotta we, we gotta come back tonight because we have a lot to talk about it's a big day in dc sports um we'll get into that later though um what's been going on with you man it's been a few it's been a while uh it's been good i, I gotta ask you something I get something off my chest uh did you get your marvel tickets because everyone was talking about it like it was <laughs> like a yeezy sneaker drop i'm like why are you guys bugging out just dude go buy tickets when it comes out i did i did get my ticket i will be going the first day if i i'm glad i did though because if it, it's uh it, it, it was it wasn't easy by the way i'm gonna be watching it in in real d 3d which is like the worst format that you can probably watch it in but it, that's the only one that had seats available for the first day i'm gonna be going to uh foxfield for anyone that goes to UVA, uh, that weekend that it comes out, so the, the big horse race down at uh, UVA, where uh, everyone uh, everyone gets drunk in a field and apparently horses run around a little bit. So I was like, all right, if I don't see it the first day, I gotta wait till Tuesday. And I mean, you know how it works with Twitter and what we do, so it's uh, not very spoiler friendly. And I'm like, all right, I gotta try to I gotta try to go Thursday, even if it meant going at like 2 a.m. in the morning, because I just I had to see the movie before someone spoiled the ending for me. So was it really that hard getting tickets? People are like freaking out. Yeah, man. Every I think I know at one point the AMC website crashed. Um, I'm on the A list for the, that pays like the weekly, the monthly fee, and you don't have to pay for tickets when you when you buy them. Then uh, so I was trying to buy through them. I mean, so I couldn't really go to other websites. But I I heard that every every site was either setting up a line system or just could not handle the volume of people trying to get there to buy tickets. So I mean. Everyone was freaking out for for good reason. I think a lot of people probably missed out on getting getting good tickets for the first day because of that. Damn, bro. I thought uh, I thought about going. I thought about legitimately going to the theater and buying tickets physically ahead of time, and I I couldn't couldn't get out of my office at that point. But it's uh, I got them. I'm going first day. Uh, we'll report back in two weeks how it goes. All right. Yeah. Let me know how it is. See if it's worth it, man. It's gonna be it's gonna be a big weekend, by the way. It's so on Thursday we get uh. We're gonna get we're gonna get um, Endgame coming out, and then do you What's know what that? happens that Sunday? Endgame's the Avengers. <laughs> yeah, Endgame. Endgame okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's like what the hell are you talking about? It's a new Netflix original. <laughs> Endgame is the is Avengers movie, and then that Sunday, we're gonna get the Battle of Winterfell. Ooh. Game of Thrones, the big the big episode of the season, episode three, will be that that weekend. Well, so it's gonna you be- you rewatch the whole goddamn thing. I am on ep- season six right now of my rewatch. Isn't it hard to like go through that much of like strong content? Like it must have took you a while. Maybe if you broke it up. But. I've been like okay, so I like pacing myself like really well. When I started, I was like, all right, I'm gonna start now, so I can I can watch three episodes a week and try to keep that strictly to three episodes a week. I mean that things have gotten in the way. I've gotten like that. That's gotten that's turned into four or five episodes a week to get to the pace where I, I'll be watching it up to when the premiere happens. Uh, right now, um, I think I have about t- twelve episodes left, so that should get me nicely right up to the premiere. I'll be watching probably one every other day from here on out. But yeah, it's, if shout out to another podcast, I've been listening to Binge Mode, 
in in between each episode, and they they do a great job breaking it down. So after you listen to our podcast, you can check out theirs. Yeah, shout out, shout out, Rager. Yeah, <laughs> you ready for my hat trick? Yeah, I'm ready. Let's do this. All right, we got some some good stuff. I'm gonna start off on a little on a somber note. I feel like we got to touch on this a little bit. Um, Nipsey Hussle was obviously murdered. You know, it's all over the news. I'm not gonna act like a big Nipsey fan, but one thing I do want to talk about is. I think, Knuckle, we've seen a lot of people die way too early in the last couple of years. But I've never seen kind of the support come out um, like it, it's come from professional athletes, also like celebrities in general. Um, there's people like Kyle Kuzma and Isaiah Thomas that basically said like they wouldn't be where they are right now if it wasn't for Nipsey's music, just straight of his motivation and stuff. So, you know, shout out to him. More than an artist, it seemed like he was a big activist and motivational guy. He had a huge impact on almost any famous NBA player that I searched. They had some, even an NFL player, had something opposed about him. I've never seen that kind of you know, outlash, like, you know, general support across the whole public. No one said a bad thing about him. Um, they found the killer today. So prayers out to him and his family. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'll be honest. I, I didn't, I'm not familiar with, with Nipsey before um, his passing. But, yeah, I completely agree. I think, I think the outpouring of support that's been online is, is, uh, was, really, was really interesting to watch to someone who wasn't familiar what he was about, and it was just like it, it painted a picture of a guy who um, took his um, took his platform very seriously and tried to use it for good, and that's uh, it's uh, gone way too soon. Uh, yeah, yeah, prayers out to him and his family and his friends. And like, so a lot of people like didn't really know his music, and probably partly is because he purposely didn't want to do like mainstream like radio bangers, like that was his thing. So like that's why a lot of people didn't know him. But you know, there's so many. Like famous athletes from LA, especially Compton, like DeRozan, like James Harden, Russell Westbrook, Richard Sherman, Deshaun Jackson. So like that LA vibe, he really saw a lot of pride from there. So shout out, you know, to him and his family, and you know, prayers up. Um, so moving on to more, uh, more fun and I guess funny news. Um, so today I did a double take. I saw Sports Center posted the Lions of American Football will suspend all football operations starting today. Um, and this is due to losing millions of dollars each week. Um, they're unable to secure NFL practice squad players on you know minor league of agreements and stuff like that. And apparently, they made all that all these players fly back on their own dime. No, I think this shows that it's really hard to develop a developmental league for the NFL. I think that was the idea. They wanted to make like a G League for the NBA, pretty much. Um, this kind of blew up in flames. What are your initial thoughts? Yeah, this so this was there's been a, a few new leagues starting the last couple of years and America, Alliance American Football. It was interesting. I mean, they 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 had they the first weekend they had a lot of buzz going on Twitter about how the product looked pretty good. I mean, it was obviously not the NFL talent out there, but even for for minor league team, minor league system or league, whatever you want to call it, um, people were people were responding pretty well. I mean, that obviously faded over a couple of weeks, and they even within a week they were they were having problems. Meeting payroll, they had to. They uh, one guy had to literally buy the entire league and, and keep it afloat. And they're trying to reach this agreement with the with the league to allow them to allow them to fill fill the roster with the practice squad players and backups. And it, they couldn't they couldn't make it happen. And that's that's what separated this league a little bit was they weren't trying to beat the NFL. They were kind of trying to set themselves up to be the feeder, be the be the off season training program, be like the, the summer the the fall league is for baseball, um, things like that. And it was it's I wish it kind of had worked out because I think that with the way football is going now with the value on rookie contracts and um, some of these veterans need to need to be able to prove themselves because they're going to be replaced by guys that are cheaper than them and, and that might keep them sidelined for a little while longer than they would than they would rather expect and so having a second league in the offseason to have the young players kind of craft like or work on their craft and have have some of these veterans reprove themselves I think it, I think it was a pretty good idea I'm, I, I'm kind of disappointed that it didn't work out with the the lines. Yeah, so here's my take on it. I want to hear what you think. Um, the reason why the G League works and why minor league works in baseball is because they're tied to a professional organization. It's almost like a feeder farm system, almost. Yeah. Why did Why didn't? And I mean, I think that was a key to this is that there was there's really no affiliation with the NFL, and maybe the NFL doesn't want to affiliate because they might see it as a competitor. But I think this is for the NFL's best interest. You have all these players on the practice squad. Why you start a league? Like I, I think that was the differentiating factor why this or another leagues will not work. I think like I think that that. The way that was her goal all along was to eventually become the feeder to the NFL. I think that the problem was that they needed it to happen immediately, like in the first season. I think if they if they had been able to sustain themselves for three, four years, which clearly they couldn't, if they're having players pay for their own flights and food and and whatnot, and and they're 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 relying on guys like Johnny Manziel to come in and keep them afloat. It's I I think that's why it didn't work out 
for this league in this case. I mean, I, I know that the NFL probably has some things that they want to they want to be able to control the product. They want to be able to con- control quality. They want to be able to make sure these guys aren't getting hurt playing football, doing it the wrong way. And until and there, that's a lot of work to be able to put into a league. And I think that until the NFL actually goes out and creates a league themselves, which I don't imagine happening anytime soon, it's gonna they're gonna keep running into that issue. Yeah, I mean, anyways, um, I think it's a big market, but let's see how they how they tap this because there's a lot of. You know, football players that you know you can't play football overseas right like if like nba there's you can go overseas but there's like all right like playing the cfl the afl like what's mantel gonna do now i mean he's yeah. already been kicked out of the cfl um I mean, doesn't he work for barstool anyways like yeah i guess you know, he has his podcast. Start a drinking podcast yeah he can just go back to to what he was doing before and, and try to make some money off that but i mean he's got his own demons too and it's right now i think the xfl i don't know if they, they ever said anything about this but there was that whole thing about how they're not going to allow people with with records in the league and it's it's if that that might close all football doors for for johnny at this point which is i mean it's it's people wanted clearly wanted to see him that's why memphis signed him to their aaf team but i'm, I'm might, just saying like a, a league that has if they have a like colin kaepernick tim tebow and johnny manza i'm tuning in every every game it, it don't matter how bad the product is. I'm turning it every game. And yeah, I mean, like clearly, clearly Americans were ready for this. Like they, the, the ratings were were pretty good for the for the opening weekend. They just need to find a way to keep that product sustainable. And I think that uh, like right now, everyone everyone has that appetite for football. It's it's a time between the Super Bowl and the draft. Um, basketball is right. in full swing. Right, that was that was probably the right time that people were like, all right, I still need some football in my life. I mean, summertime might be a little hard, but. With with training camps coming around, but I mean that that spring season was was a nice little transition to the draft for for football fans. I mean, it gave Trent Richardson new life, bro. Did he lead like that league in touchdowns? He's yeah. killing it. I mean, I don't know if it, I don't know if it's going to translate into an NFL look for him. Oh but no, yeah. <laughs> I think I think people people have learned what they need to know about Trent Richardson at this point. But I mean, yeah, it's it's there's a, there's for every Trent Richardson, there's also a bunch of guys who. Who play those play play the position that don't really get the glamour and and they want to be able to go out there and, and work on whatever technique they need to work on and that, that the AAF could have done that for them. Yeah. All right. Uh, last but not least, want to talk a little bit Lakers. Um, obviously disappointing season. We know they're going to miss the playoffs. Yeah, Lakers. Um, you know, there's a team from LA going to playoffs. It's not the Lakers. Very sad time to be a Lakers fan. Um, like always, any LeBron head coach is on the hot seat. Um, I saw the Boveda odds for head coach of next season. I'm going to run over like the top five or six favorites in order um, for most favorite. Um, Knuckle, I want to see who your choice is. Who do you think is going to be the head coach? So number one is Juwan Howard, 4-1 to one odds. Next, we have Tyron Lue. Tyron Lue is going to coach LeBron again. Number three, we have the current coach, Luke Walton. Four, we have Tibbs, which is an interesting fit. Okay. And five, we have Jason Kidd, followed by Jerry Stackhouse and Derek Fisher. So, any of his names pop out to you? I mean, I, I mean, Tibbs, Tibbs pops out to me, but not for not because I think that he'll be the head coach. I think that having Tibbs as a, as LeBron's head coach late in his career would be a disastrous choice for them. And uh, I don't think that we'll play fifty minutes a game. Yeah, yeah. he's yeah. <laughs> he's like, yeah, we uh, we're we're going to take the game to overtime just so you can play a little bit more, <laughs> LeBron. Um, but it's uh, I think that's what is up with like we'll talk about this later. But like Tibbs, like. Is he like a? I don't know what the word is. Like, what, what the hell is he? Like, why does he play the players so much? I, I don't. Maybe doesn't believe in a bench. I don't know. Yeah, it's 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 ridiculous. And this in this day and age, he's doing that. I mean, we don't have to look much further than than Scott Brooks in DC, who also seems to be doing the same thing here. But it's I don't know what the the old school coaches that are playing their guys this much longer every game. I mean, even in meaningless games is it's kind of baffling. But okay, back to the back to the Lakers though. I mean, Tibbs. We I think we can cross him off like right away. I don't, I don't think that that's gonna be that's not gonna, that's not gonna happen in my in my opinion. Um, I don't know enough about Jawan Howard as a coach. Um, like what's he what's he doing right now? Yeah. So backstory on Jawan. Jawan played with LeBron in Miami. I think in his first championship, he became an assistant coach on a Spoelstra. So he's been an assistant coach there for a while. So, but he's like Spoelstra's like number one guy, like the main assistant coach. Okay. Uh, so yeah, I mean, he he coached LeBron basically as an assistant. In Miami, um, we obviously saw Tyron Lue coach LeBron as an assistant, then became a head coach. Um, so that's why, you know, potential, you know, he knows LeBron. Um, another interesting name is Jason Kidd. Um, like, why would you want Jason Kidd? Like, we clearly saw the one thing stopping Milwaukee was Jason Kidd coaching that team. You could see their unlocked potential. I'm like, why? after seeing what happened in Milwaukee this year, 
is that enough to see? Like, like if you can't get potential out of Giannis, how the hell is he going to get out of Alonzo Ball and Brandon Ingram? I was I was really surprised to see that Jason Kidd was coaching the Bucks like just last year. It it literally seems like that it's been like it's been like four or five years since Jason Kidd mm-hmm. uh, tried had a failed coup in in Brooklyn and and ended up in being the head coach in Milwaukee and I, I even him like I, I don't know if LeBron needs like a guy who's like proven at this point I think he needs a guy who who can develop the young talent that they have because if LeBron's gonna go out there and run the show himself anyway you don't need that X's and O's guy you don't need the guy who who command i guess commands like the admiration and respect on the sideline because like oh wow he was a great player back in his day just bring in the guy who best develops the young talent you have because right now lebron's gonna need to have that depth around him while he's trying to i guess like manage his minutes and manage his way to the end of his career without putting too much strain on himself what do you think yeah yeah and i agree with you and like i mean we we all know like this is just a scapegoat thing they're gonna have to make a move yeah luke you can, cro- you can cross luke fire. walton off he's not gonna yeah, yeah. he's not I gonna mean, be like, coach unfortunately like this is a worse job to have me his, his head coach um i don't think it really matters i don't think you can blame it on the coaches here um but you know I mean, let's see what happens. Um, another interesting name is Mark Jackson. Um, he's been with a lot of rumors recently. That's an interesting fit. Um, but I think LeBron will want a younger player, a younger coach, unless it's like a top tier, like a Phil Jackson. I, could, I think Brian are. Shaw, if I was going to pick one of the names that you mentioned, is the most intriguing to me in terms of what could actually help LeBron at this point at, at, with the Lakers. I think that he has he has that system and he can – he didn't do very well in Denver, but you know, I think I think having that familiarity with with the Lakers, and I think that he can at least be that young, the younger coach that can that can bridge that gap between with, with LeBron and the and the younger guys on the team. And I think that I think that Shaw would be an intriguing choice there. Yeah. Um, anyways, probably one of the best days in DC sports history, um, one of the most eventful days as well. Um, so let's uh, let's jump into it if you're ready. Yeah, I'm ready. I mean, we uh, we missed a lot while we were while we were at. I think the I think the the biggest thing that I was following, of course, was uh, MLB free agency. Bryce Harper signs with the Phillies in the middle of spring training. I know it's, it's probably it seems like a long time ago now, um, but today he's making his return to DC. So I mean, we we have to talk about it as as we're recording this right now. It's the middle of the middle of the fourth inning, I believe, and Bryce has already struck out twice to Max Scherzer. It's it's. It was it's the the Nats fans let him have it in the beginning of the game. They 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 gave him an intro video while they were introducing him in the lineup. Uh, his first at bat, they booed him, and when he went out to take his place in right field in the bottom of the inning, they booed him. Um, Nick, what would you have done if you went to the game today? All right, uh, after a couple of beers, I definitely would have booed. Um, <laughs> but um, I don't like. It, I don't know. I think you got to also appreciate what he's done for the city. I, I think as you, as you get older as a sports fan, you become more and more rational. Uh, early 20s, Nick would have been booed the shit out of him. I probably still would have. Um, but I understand if people are clapping for him. Um, I would say probably 80% booze, maybe. That's what they're saying on Twitter. Yeah, I I would I thought the inverse, honestly. Like I was I, This whole time I'm thinking, like you know, I, I don't think like Nats fans are really going to be that that at, that. That loud in either direction, even cheers and boos. I thought it was gonna be like, yeah, you're gonna have those, you're gonna have that that contingent that that t- that wears their team team colors on their sleeve. Like any 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 slight against them is is an is an act of war. Like every team has those guys. There's not really much you can do about it. And there's the, the diehards that are gonna be appreciative and, and cheer on Bryce. Um, but yeah, it was about. I think it was about eighty. Like I would say eighty percent boos. They were definitely the louder um, group there. There's about five hundred Phillies fans sitting in. Sitting in right field, that came all the way down from Philly, so that kind of that kind of diluted it a little bit. But I mean, honestly, if I'm if I'm if I'm looking at it, like I I don't think I would have personally booed him, but I'm glad we were allowed in in one direction. I think that I think that we I mean it's come up a lot lately because of Alex Rodriguez, um, his comments on Sunday night Sunday night baseball. But it's we actually might have taken a step as a baseball town today, even if even if it means uniting to boo a guy who's probably our the best player in our franchise history so far. So on that note, I'm, I'm going to ask you because you know more baseball than me. He, he's been voted the most overrated player in the MLB by MLB players. It's been, and it's a, been, a lot been of the people, case since he came into the league every yeah, year. He, and a lot of people think that this team may not be worse than last year's team. I don't know if you're in that camp. So walk oh. me through how the best player in national history leaves and our team is almost as good as it was last year, if not better. Because, I mean, it's the guys that we, the guys that we brought in that, that make that difference. I mean, you're talking about Brian Dozier at second, who's – 
a pretty good bat. Last year was a down year for him behind the plate, but he's been a really good defensive second baseman, which is what Daniel Murphy was not for a long time here. He was Daniel Murphy was a great hitter. Uh, he was a re- technician for working on a swing, working on other players' swings, talking to them in between at bats, helping everyone on the team get better on offense. And but his he had no range and his was prone to making more mistakes probably than helping the team. Brian Dozier will not do that. Um, then the biggest signing of the offseason up to up to Bryce Harper was Patrick Corbin, who came over from the Arizona Diamondbacks and was top five in Cy Young voting in the NL last year. And you add that to Max Scherzer and Steven Strasburg, that's probably the, one of the best one to three um, trios that you have in baseball. I mean, there's I can I can go on. I mean, I, I won't go move by move. I think Nats fans know this by now, but we improved behind the plate. We improved on defense. Victor Robles is a top five prospect in baseball. Comes in to take Bryce Harper's spot in the outfield. He'll be taking playing center field, and he's a he's a legitimate center field talent. So it's even if we had not signed Bryce, I thought our team got better. Adding Bryce though would have been that big bat in the middle of the lineup, which I think we're still lacking right now. But I think that the lineup is a lot more balanced top to bottom. There's not a, there's not a real weakness as long as everyone stays healthy, and that's right now we're fingers crossed because Trey Turner took a. Took a pitch to the, the the hand today and had to leave the game. So hopefully he's fine. Um, he's been the star so far in the first first couple games for the Nats. So I mean I know that's a lot to digest. I mean if you're not following the Nats like every day, but I I think that I'm not I'm still back and forth on whether the Nats made the right move letting Bryce go or not. Yeah, I mean it, it's it's tough to see someone that you know that you draft. It's kind of supposed to be your savior, and then eventually it doesn't work out and he leaves. I mean. I mean, at one point, you know, we we had Ovechkin, Wall, RG3, and Harper, and maybe only one of those guys really panned out. And shocking to say that. Yeah, that's uh, that it. There was a lot of lot of pieces on that as well. Also, I mean, I'm a guy who had three fucking RG3 jerseys, and I still have them. Yeah. But if you have a Bryce Harper jersey, the big stick in Navy Yard is buying your jerseys, giving you a shot, and then I think giving the jerseys to charity. So. Great idea. Yeah, no, that's 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 a phenomenal idea. I mean, I think that the part that hurts most probably about Bryce leaving was um, him signing. A, I think the thirteen-year part of his contract is what probably makes it a little hard for Nats fans to digest. I mean, I, after thinking about it for a while, he it, we thought we would maybe have a little bit of time where he could still be like, all right, we still like Bryce, and we'll transition into him being another a guy on another team. That comes in Nats Park every once in a while. The second he signed a 13-year deal with no opt-outs and a no-trade clause, he instantly became the Phillies guy. It's yep. like he, it's like it, it's like a completely new person was born, and Bryce Harper was just all of a sudden no longer like the the kid that grew up here that we watched play for seven years. I mean, it, it's it, that's that's the weird part about this. And he had he had his post today about uh, his, he finally gave a farewell post to Nats fans, something that we've been waiting for for a really long time. I think a lot of people had given up on it and were like, okay, you know what, now it's too late. It ended up being, it ended up being a pretty nice post. I think like I was I was kind of over it at this point, but when I read it, I was like, all right, that's that's a guy who can at least acknowledge like what that we were there for him for a couple of years. Um, he, the interesting part about it was that he named a couple of restaurants, um, one of which was the Silver Diner. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Nick, if you... If you I were, never noticed that. If you're gonna make a list of if you're you're leaving DC and, and you're coming back and we're we've been waiting a long time for all right, Nick, we 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 hung out with you for <laughs> on U Street for a really long time, um, and you haven't said bye to us yet. What three restaurants are you naming in DC in your in your farewell thank you post? Um I mean, okay. Back to Silver Diner. So that's a hard ass question on the spot. Yeah. Um, I don't think I can give you an answer, but I can tell you about Silver Diner. And I only go there when I'm shit faced in Arlington. Um, so I don't know if this is a, a sober meal that Bryce Harper's having. Someone has so much money. It's a very interesting selection. He did, he did cho- choose another Italian restaurant. It was very high end. So that was fine. The Silver Diner thing is really weird. Um, uh, he picked a great city to have trashy food and go to Philadelphia, right? He yeah. has all the trashy cheesesteaks that he wants. I saw like a I saw a funny tweet. It was like, "Are we should we be surprised that a kid who grew up in Vegas has a love for for chain restaurants?" Is that, is that surprising <laughs> to anyone? It's <laughs> I, yeah. I thought that was pretty good. I mean, I I'd probably I, I don't know if I would, I mean he picked the Italian store, which is which is great for anyone that's ever eaten there. Um, just great sandwiches, great pizza, whatever you whatever you want to carry out of there. But it's uh yeah, I mean it was it was interesting. It's like right now, I mean he has two, two strike. He's been struck out by Max Scherzer twice. He'll definitely get his. I'm expect. Every, he's too talented not to. Not, this isn't going to be the case forever, and we'll have plenty of chances to uh, to see him up close. 
Um, I want to I want to ask you though what what's your opinion of I mean of as an outsider like for, of what you witnessed with how slow baseball free agency went this year. Wait, so, so what was your question? What, what was my impression? Yeah, like you're like, I mean, I'm I know I'm following it every day. I'm reading I'm reading all these articles. I know you, you probably don't look follow it that closely, but you you had to yeah, notice I that mean, it was moving at the pace that it was moving this year. Yeah, and it's clear that like. In NBA, I'm going to compare it to the NBA because I'm most close to it. There's this trend of players, you know, joining forces and going for that ring. Yeah. But in in baseball, it's more of job security, length of contract, and just getting flat out paid. Like, I don't, I, I'm just surprised, like, that, like, someone of Bryce's, I mean, not that Phillies are bad. Like, Phillies, I mean, the, the Machado thing, I mean, that, this is completely stands to my point. Phillies, I can see it's trending in the right direction. But then again, I mean, he could have went. What to the to the Yankees and some other better teams, right? So it seems like baseball players they don't really team up as much as as you normally see. Which is I'm trying to figure out the dynamics behind it. it seems like it's more about money and security. I mean, Bryce tried to get uh, he he was trying to start the recruitment of Mike Trout early, like the second he signed. Actually, he he, right. he said it in his press conference. And I mean, a week and a half later, Mike Mike Trout became the highest paid player in baseball, um, staying in Anaheim. And, and I guess that that to go back to your point. Superstars teaming up. I think you're. I think you're. I think this actually proved it in a way because I kind of said this when it happened. I don't know if it was just my like intense hate for Philly. I and a lot. I mean, a lot of people would would point at the fact that Mike Trout is from Philadelphia. My my contention was that have you noticed how Mike Trout has not asked for the spotlight once in his entire career, even though he might legitimately be the best player of all time. And I don't think that he's going to be wanting to answer these questions for the next two years, especially if Harper is in Philadelphia repeatedly talking about how he wants to try to recruit Trout to Philly. I don't think that – like if Harper was sick of answering those questions and signed a 13-year deal, I can tell you right now if if, the, if, the Anaheim, if Anaheim makes him the kind of offer that I think they're going to make him, he's going to sign in, and lo and behold, a few days later he did. Um, sign this mega deal to remain there probably for the rest of his career. And I, that – so I don't know if he's going to try to lure people – to Anaheim, or that's why he did it. Bryce said that that's why he signed with Philly. I don't think that's the case. I don't think anyone really believes that. Um, but yeah, I think I think you're absolutely right that baseball players don't want to team up, and I think a lot of teams in baseball and their lack of spending is gonna is gonna actually help that for a while. So so, so let me let me ask you an interesting question. So you know, in baseball, you can I don't know. There's, there's probably no limit for contract, right? Like you could do 15 years. You can sign a billion dollar contract if you want. Right. Yeah. Could you imagine if the NBA allowed something like like I'm just thinking like like the dynamics of that that the whole league would just be comp- now everyone's signing one year deals but imagine if they opened Pandora's box. Yeah, I mean the max contract. I, I sometimes think about what would happen um, if they got rid of the max because it's like if if you if you got rid of the max, are you think are you it wouldn't work in the way that I mean at least I think that it wouldn't work in the way that the middle guys would somehow get up to the point where they're making forty million and LeBron is making a hundred million. I think it would be more so that LeBron is making 120 million and the low, the middle guy is now making like five million. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, yeah, no, yeah, that makes complete sense. And and but like so with baseball, right? Like they favor bigger markets, right? Yeah, right. I mean, there's there's revenue sharing in baseball, so I mean, you you can make it work. I mean, San Diego is not a big market, and they were one of the highest spending teams this offseason because of the Machado signing. So it's it it I don't know how I. Baseball itself, like has it has like the whole tax structure that the NBA has. It's not as intense as it is for the NBA. It's not as hard to circumvent. There's no like matching contracts, and you have to have this guy under contract before to sign and go over. There's none of that. You but you can sign a guy for a billion dollars as long as you're ready to pay the tax on it, um, which makes it a little bit easier. But yeah, I think I think that in baseball is a good test for what it might be like in basketball because a lot like you got Harper at three thirty, Machado at three hundred. And then guys who thought they were going to get four or five year deals this offseason end up signing for a year, or haven't signed at all. In the case of Craig Kimbrell, who's probably the best closer in baseball. Right. No, it's it's super interesting the dynamics and how people make decisions in baseball versus basketball. Um, and I, I frankly think I don't know if you agree with this. I think basketball players are more conscious about what people think about their legacy. I don't think Machado gives a fuck. Machado right? definitely like, does not. No. The Machado equivalent in the NBA in terms of his talent could be a James Harden, right? Maybe. But like he he has like he cares about MVPs. He cares about what people think of 20 years on the road. Yeah. Um I think in that case it's it Harper has made a big big deal about the fact that I mean he is the face of baseball and he wanted to make that's what a big reason why he chose Philadelphia and didn't want to go back to the West Coast. 
Um, I don't contrast it with Machado. Yeah, I don't, I don't think Machado really cared about what was what would be the best place for him to shine and for him to eventually maybe ascend to being one of the the best shortstops of all time or best third baseman of all time. Right. Now, anyways, um, interested to see what happens. Interested to see what the expectations are for the Phillies this year. Um, what do you think it is, Knuckle, the NL East, or you think it's you know World Series? Or what is a solid expectation? I think that I think that they they should expect to make the playoffs in one way or the other. The NL East is top to bottom better this year. The top four teams are probably right around each other. Um, the Braves won it last year. The Nats have won it a lot in the years past, and then now the Phillies had, did more than anyone to improve their team in the offseason. And I mean, I, I'm not big on the Mets, but a lot of people. A lot of credible people put some stock into what they've done this offseason. I'll believe it when I see it. Um, but those four teams are going to be right around each other at the end of the year. And I think if you're the Phillies and you're Phillies fans, you want them to – they want to make the playoffs this year either, either as a wild card or winning the division. It's going to be hard. Um, I think I think the teams aren't going to make it easy for themselves. Yeah. Um, so another interesting uh, D.C. sports figure Let's is actually leaving. The king is dead. <laughs> I, I was so happy, and I'm so happy they did release it today because it happened yesterday. I think it was an April Fool's joke, and I wouldn't believe it. But Knuckle, wh- who was released today of their duties? Ernie Grunfeld was relieved of his duties as Wizards president. Fucking years, yes. sixteen years. I want to. I want to play a game. I have five dates. I'll I'll start with an easy one. I want you to tell me what happened on this date. You ready? Sure. June thirtieth, two thousand three. What happened? Uh, 2003. Ernie was hired? Yes. Ernie was hired on June 30th, 2003. Um, and this was right around, um, let's see, who's, at that point we would have still had, uh, Eddie Jordan as our head coach. Yep. And he comes in and this was before Jordan's comeback or after Jordan's comeback? Uh, I think it's right around... Not sure the exact year. It would have been it would have been right around Jordan's comeback. I mean, it was comes over from the Bucks. I remember when he got hired, I was pretty excited about it. I thought it was I I twelve year old knuckle didn't know anything about NBA history or or what. I just knew that he came over from the Bucks and they had Ray Allen, they had Gary Payton, he made a lot of trades and that was cool and I was like, Yes, we got this guy that's has a has a reputation and I thought all right, this this could work out for us. I mean it, it wasn't all bad early on. We had Gilbert. Um there was a lot of lot going on. We he ends up building that trio with Antoine Jameson and Karan Butler. Um, right around June twenty fourth, two thousand nine. What happened then? Sorry, what date? June twenty fourth, two thousand nine. Is that when uh, we traded the fifth overall for Randy Foy and Mike Miller? Correct. That is what we did. I can't forget that. That was one of the worst <laughs> times as a DC sports fan. And uh, some good players were in that draft, weren't they? Yeah, that would be the Steph Curry draft. That's uh, it, our man uh, Buck Hans talked about it the other night uh, when we were playing the Timber or we were playing the Jazz, and uh, Ricky Rubio was on the court. That's the guy who uh, eventually went with that pick. But there was a lot of other talented players available. And I think we missed while we were out the possibility that see Buck Hans might not be back next year. As a play-by-play guy for the Wizards, what were what were your thoughts upon hearing that one? I mean, I just I could not. I mean, Steve is a friend of the podcast. We've had him on. I would say that we know him on a decently personal level. I would have no idea why you let this guy now go. He's a he's an absolute professional. He absolutely kills it. If anything, I feel bad for the dude because I mean, he has to endure this. He's, I don't know how long he's been there. He's been there for a while, ever since I've been listening to Wizards. So, I mean, I feel bad for the guy. The fact that they're considering getting him, let him go. You let Phil Chenier go last year. Um, he's the voice of, for me, he's the voice of DC Sports. He is, yeah. I like a lot of people. A lot of people in this season, especially me, when things were not looking their best. I mean, I was still tuning in because Steve has that effect on us. I'm like, all right, look, we're it's. We gotta spend this time with Steve. He's uh he's gonna make this sound okay for us. He's gonna he's gonna explain to us what what's going on with the Wizards, like who's who we should be keeping track of. And it's it's gonna be weird and if not potentially not have that voice there anymore. I tried to play devil's uh, devil's advocate myself. I guess I can't even do that. I don't get how that would work. But I tried to think about why, like what angle could be happening here. A lot of people were unfairly blaming the Wizards for this. The Wizards don't really have a have a say with what happens to Steve. Um, 
My theory is that this has to do with NBC Washington potentially wanting to change their broadcast more gambling focused. And they're not sure if Steve is the right guy to do that. What do you what do you think of that theory? I mean, that's just like I mean, yeah, I get it. Gamble is going to be a big part of the future. All the arenas are going to have sports books eventually. Um, there's going to be mobile apps. I get it. How hard is it to say the spread is minus four? Like, it doesn't <laughs> – once you say the spread, yeah. the analysis stops there. He's not going to run no in-game analytics. <laughs> like, he can read a fucking line. If he can endure 15 years of pain, you know, like, it can all work out. I, I, it's just shocking to me. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, we'll see what happens. I mean, they're, 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 they say that no final decision has been made yet, but I think that sometime in the offseason we might need to come to grips with the fact that next year we might not, we might not have any more games left with Steve um, calling him. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to tune into whatever the last game of the regular season is and, and, and listen to it because, I mean, it, he's going to be missed if he, if, he, if he isn't the voice anymore. I hope that he's still somehow in our lives and w- around Wizards basketball. Um, but, yeah, Ernie Grunfeld will not be around Wizards basketball going forward. I got one more date for you. Okay. September 24th, 2010. What happened? It's not when we drafted Jan Vesey, was it? No, I mean, it's, it's September, so. Oh, September, yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure. That is when we signed uh, one Andre Blotch oh, to God. a contract extension, something that a very short time later we would be – Exercising the MC clause and freeing ourselves up. So I mean, Ernie has had some disastrous. Oh, I, I got some more. I got some more. The list goes on. Some good ones. Too. Oh yeah, I got. I still have two more dates to give you. Okay. You, want, you, yeah. want run, you want to run through those real quick, and then we can we can just open yeah, up yeah. To what we, Let's just run through all. Let's of say it. June twenty third, twenty eleven. What happened? You already said it. Uh, Jan Vesely. Jan Vesely is drafted to the Washington Wizards, and the last one, July third, twenty sixteen. What happened? Jan Mahimi? Yes. Jan Mahimi was signed to a four-year, $64 million contract after we missed out on getting Al Horford, who apparently at one point preferred the Wizards' talent to that of the Boston Celtics. <laughs> I mean, uh, it, it, it is the, – the most bat- – I mean, we just named everything, right? Those, there's much more beyond that. But yeah. what baffles me in any D.C. sports fan is how could you consistently suck and have a job? The only – I'm going to name the four GMs who are – Longer tenure than Ernie, and this list is baffling. Number one is R.C. Buford with the Spurs. Nothing else to say there. Spurs has probably been the most consistent franchise the last 20 years. Number two, Pat Riley. Nothing else to say there. Miami Heat, Class A organization. Nothing to say about that. Next is Gar Foreman from the Bulls. Um, has a lot of history there. Um, but hey, whatever. Bulls are Bulls. Then Danny Ainge. And then... It's fucking Ernie Grunfield. He does not deserve to be in this list. It is shocking. Speaks more about the ownership. Um, Leonsis is a very patient owner. Um, you know, he he keeps relying on the fact that he kind of was patient with the core of the Caps. The Caps yeah. struggled for so many years, and they pushed through one year. And part of me is kind of annoyed at that because he's like kind of fulfilled his like kind of thought process, like keep trying. It's gonna work. It's gonna work. I mean, eventually he's got to blow it up and rebuild. Yeah, and that's honestly like there's a lot of things about the wizard job um, that are gonna that are gonna stick out when when we start interviewing candidates and, and candidates start considering the team. It's the the fact that they've had this big market, they've they've gotten loads of star talent, and have just some have not been able to put it together. I mean, you can you can luck your way in, into guys. I mean, we took we took John Wall with the first pick, Bradley Beal with the, the second pick, Otto Porter with the third pick. It's it, it goes on and on like. You can, you can a good GM will find talent there, but if you're consistently picking that high in the draft, you're doing something wrong. Yeah, and it's like different. Like if you draft well, and maybe you have bad signings or vice versa, but it's it's all the above. I mean, just look at he gave fucking Dwight Howard a player option to buy back in for next year after Dwight's been let go from his last like five teams. Like it's made absolutely no sense. Did Dwight Howard save the Wizards? I don't know. <laughs> it's uh, no, yeah. I you, mean, it might have been the one that pushed it over the edge, honestly. Yeah, I think, I think it's something like like the last three teams Dwight's been on. He's the GM's gotten fired while Dwight's been on his way out. It's uh, it's really interesting, but uh, yeah, like I, he finally. John came. Wall wasn't dancing in his crib and got hurt. He, he might still have a job. So count all our blessings. Everything that happened this year, I'll take it. I'll take it gladly. 
It, yeah, like, like it's like you said. I mean, I, I think that like any one of Ernie's decisions, like they're not that bad when you consider them on their own. But the fact that they always just snowballed into something much, much worse as as time went on, like even like trying to prepare to make a big splash in free agency, uh, the the Kevin Durant year, fine, you didn't get him, okay, fine, but don't don't complicate things further by <laughs> missing out on Al Horford and then saying, you know, what, we need Jan Mahinmi for four years and just like on on the surface, like we're gonna trade for Boyan Bogdanovich from the from the Nets, which okay, you're gearing up for a playoff run. Cool, let's go. And then you just let him walk out the door and go to Indiana while you sit there and worry about whether or not you want to you want to play Kelly Oubre or Otto Porter, both of which who aren't on the team anymore. It's it's just a, on on their on each move on its own looks fine, each risk on its own looks fine. But the fact that they just have they just kept snowballing into into more mistakes and more mistakes and more second round picks traded and more bad signings that that stay on the books for a long time. I mean with John Wall's with John Wall's Supermax, I don't know how attractive this job's going to look. What do you think that other teams are going to see when they look at the Wizards job? Yeah, this is a this is going to be an interesting. So this is my thing is that I I want the new GM to select a coach. Um, yeah. I don't I, I hate it when a GM inherits a coach because you need a whole new regime. Um, this is not an. This is we're probably in the worst position. I don't know if there's a worse franchise, a franchise in worse position than we are. I really can't name one because at least the shitty teams will have a high lottery pick. We're probably gonna finish like seventh best odds. We might get a solid rotational player around that spot. I don't think we're gonna get something crazy. When we didn't even touch about Ernie's like tendency to stash players in Europe. That was the most frustrating part is that once we had a late first-round pick or early second, he would just default and say, hey, I can't hit. The odds of me hitting this are so low. I'm just going to stash this guy in Europe. Maybe one day they'll develop and come home. We've only seen one or two of those players actually come back and make an impact. Um, And it's just shocking because you see every year these quality organizations finding great players in the late first, second round. You're talking about Kyle Kuzma, Draymond Green. There's a lot of good players out there. But we just default that, well, we can't pick them. Don't worry about it. We, you know, we'll just stash them in Europe. Yeah, I mean, it's like you, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. I mean, we don't have a second-round pick through 2023 now, I think. It's, 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 I just hated that he just never even tried. Like, there, there are guys out there that, like, I mean, you, you, might call it, you might call it just copying out and picking them. But you look at like Draymond, like, like Draymond, like you said, Malcolm Brogdon went in the second round. Um, the, the, the center for the Knicks right now, what's his name? The, the. I'm forgetting his name, but he went this year in the draft. He's a rookie. Mitchell Robinson. Mitchell Robinson. Yeah, like it. These guys were all guys that that had their names whispered leading up to drafts, and as guys who are consistent performers, might not have the highest ceiling, but right now, look, they're they're at least doing something. Um, we we constantly have this problem in DC while we, while we were paying Otto Porter, John Wall, and Bradley Beal that we just did not have the depth around them to con- to make a deep run in the playoffs or, or or even get to the point where we're a top three seed in the East. It's Things like trading away all your second-round picks or stashing guys in Europe that constantly had had Ernie Grunfeld digging his way out of holes, trading first-round picks for guys that could be could be a sixth man, a seventh man on that on that bench. When when people are going out there and picking those guys in the second round or the late first round or signing them on the bargain free agent market, we just were never yeah. able to do that because we just were not managing our assets properly under Ernie Grunfeld. And the fact that he stuck around this long is is surprising. Yeah, so it's it's actually I just thought about an interesting point. He was actually, from a job security perspective, a genius. Because let's just compare two GMs, Sam Hinkie and Ernie. Yeah. What Sam did for Philly was terrible for his job security, but it put them in the position that they are today, one of the most brightest features. But he lost his job. Yeah. And what Ernie did, trading a first-round pick for fucking Boyan Bogdanovich, who paid one year, like things like that literally bought him, bought him another year. And we see Bruce Allen do the same thing in football, basically being good enough to contend, kind of, but not getting fired, which he played his cards right. I don't know if that was his purpose, but I don't think he ever thought we were going to compete for NBA Finals. But he's like, hey, let me just make the playoffs. Why would I tank? If I tank, I'm going to get fired like Sam Hinkie did. Yeah. I mean, there's you see this all the time. Like when you see teams go out there and make reckless trades for short-term gains, it's normally because the GM thinks that – or has some sort of mandate on that you have to succeed, or you're going to be out of here very soon. And I, yeah, Ernie Ernie performed like that for probably the last ten years, and there was nothing really that we could do about it. And because he had John Wall and Bradley Beal and Otto Porter, 
at least putting this team in position to make the playoffs every year, he was able to spin that into, look, I was, I got us on the, I got us right there. We're so close and a good competent GM would have gotten us over that hill. Yeah, very true. And I mean, you know, I, the, the question is, is who's next? And I don't know if we have someone in, in the works. I mean, I the, hope it's not a former player, but the few, a few, the one name that, that Woj said earlier was David Griffin, um, former GM of the Cavs. I fine. I mean, he's. he's I mean, like, did he did he ever do anything besides getting lucky on lottery balls? Like, what was there a signing or like a late draft? I mean, did he fucking draft Anthony Bennett? He did draft Anthony Bennett. And and yeah, yeah, he drafted Kyrie and LeBron. Oh, no brainer there. Yeah, I it's. I mean, he's. I'm sure it wasn't the easiest job when you have to appease LeBron um, constantly. I mean, he seems to be respected, and he's interviewed for a few jobs already. Though, Though, I mean, interesting name. To watch throughout this is gonna be is gonna be the guy who's here already as Tommy Shepard, who is Ernie Grunfeld's number two. From what I've heard so far is that he's not just Ernie two point And if you want to look at Leon's experience with the Caps, when he fired George McPhee as as the GM of the Capitals, he turned to the number two guy McClellan there, and then they celebrated a, a Stanley Cup soon after that. So I mean, it's it has worked. I mean, I I don't know how fans would react. I feel like it's not. I feel like. This organization just needed of a top to bottom culture change. I think I think cleaning house from the front office all the way to the coaching staff is is probably what's best here. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree, and I I have a feeling Scott Brooks is on his way out as a scapegoat as well. Yeah, um, I I it I could see a situation where he at least sticks around for a year, but I think that yeah, I think the the GM whoever comes in is going to want to eventually have their guy in place, and I think I, I'm. The one thing I was like scared of when when we weren't sure about what would happen with Ernie was like we were talking about those moves where he's trying to dig his way out. Jan Mahimi is going to enter his last year of his contract. After that, I mean, it's 16 mil. I was worried that Ernie would stretch Jan Mahimi to sign some random dude that can sit on the bench and that we would have to pay for at least like five, five six mil a year on Mahimi's deal for another two years after that. But now I think with a new GM coming in, potentially we can just go into next year um, and just bite the bullet on Mahinmi. And he turns into an expiring contract, which could be a trade asset later. Beyond that, I mean, cap-wise, we have Walls, Supermax starting. And another interesting question right now is, is Bradley Beal might be in line for third-team All-NBA, which opens up a lot of possibilities. Do you think he, do you think he gets it? Which is, like, shocking. Why, why are the Wizards playing him 40-something minutes a game when it's in their best interest for him not to get third-team All-NBA? I mean, it, I mean, all right, well, anyways, let, you want to run – should we run through the guards or should we just think – so but I think it really comes down to does he make it over a Kemba Walker or a I – I think Kemba is probably the one he's mostly competing with. And from a – Maybe Russell I, Westbrook. Yeah. Um, but I, I think all NBA, I think they have tendency to reward winning. Um, and I don't know if you're in the bottom seven – are you really an All NBA player? I mean, I love Bradley Beal, but I think some people may may ask that question. Yeah, I mean, I I think that I'd probably put him somewhere around sixth or seventh, which would be the yeah. like right, right around in that around. range. I think most people probably have him there. Um, if he, if he slips in, then we have the very legitimate possibility of we might need to sign two guys to the supermax contract. Yeah, and with John Wall potentially not coming back next year either. How do you how do you navigate that? And if you're if you're a GM looking at the job, is, are you looking at that as all right? I have at least one potential superstar and a, and a guy who could turn into one if he comes back from injury is even ninety percent of what he is in John Wall, um, or are you looking at that and saying, look, I'm already I'm already eighty four million in the hole between two guys every season going forward, like, and and that's just something I just can't work my way out of. Yeah, it's a really difficult position. I I, I say like. I don't think you will get a proper return on value if you trade Bradley Beal in the open market. I just think he's too good of a player. I don't know who, what type of assets you can get in return. So I don't think you, you can move him. And obviously the John Wall situation is kind of fucked. I mean, the only way you get out of this is you pretty much got to hit on some lotto picks. Like, I mean, that, that's really the only way, man. There's We have no cap flexibility. You know better than I do, but there's nothing really much you can do. I mean, who's going to take on these? I think there might be some expiring contracts we can get off our books next year. But, you know, I don't know. Right now we only have we only have like four guys. I think we only have the four guys, five guys 
under contract next year. I'm assuming that Dwight Howard picks up his player option, which he 100% will. So that that would be Troy Brown, Dwight Howard, Jan Mahinmi, John Wall, and Bradley Beal. Um, then you're going to bring in whoever we take in the first round, unless we trade that pick for something. Uh, and then... I mean, right. the, the bit, a lot of, one of the big questions is Jabari Parker, right? Because I mean, he has a twenty million dollar player option, right? And I, it's hard for me to think the new GM would pick that up. Um, he did show some flashes, but not for twenty million dollars. Yeah, I think it's that's been the yeah that's been the question over the last couple weeks. Like, I've been watching him enough to know, but I've seen enough on Twitter to think that like, all right, this might actually be a situation that this might be that, that very well could have been something that Ernie would have done if yeah. uh, to to add talent to the quote unquote to the team. So, I mean, I'm yeah, just I'm very interested with like John Wall. Like I, I think we've seen the I think it's safe to say we've seen the best of him. And I don't know whatever he comes back in what twenty twenty maybe, twenty twenty one, I don't know, when he's be out next year probably. Uh, also I heard like there's an insurance kicker that we get a significant amount of money back if he doesn't pay net play next year. So and that's also on the books. But I'm just interested to see what type of John Wall comes back, right? Like it's gonna be very interesting. I got a I got a question. I pitched this the other day, so Let's say the lottery balls bounce our way. We end up with the fifth pick in the lottery. I don't even know that's actually math. I don't even know that's possible based on the rules off the top of my head. But fifth pick, um, a team says we'll take that pick and we'll take on the John Wall contract and we'll get, and we'll throw you some cash. Are you saying yes or no? Yeah, I'd probably say yes. I mean, it, that might be the best offer you get. All right, fourth pick and John Wall. Are you saying yes or no? Yes. Third pick. No. So you want you would want RJ Barrett, even if it meant you have to swallow the forty-two million dollars a year. Yeah, I think so. So I, I probably shouldn't even continue and say, would you? Would you go Jay, no. John Moran I mean, or, or I, Zion <laughs> if it yeah, meant shedding that John Wall contract? I actually, I actually think this this draft has like good players out of six seven. Um, so I actually think the Wizards will probably might get a solid player and the the RJ Barrett, not the RJ Barrett, um, Cam Reddish one's interesting. Like I'm kind of reminded of kind of Devin Booker. Like if, remember Booker on the Kentucky team? He was kind of overshadowed by Carl Anthony Towns and a few other players on that team, like Trey Lyles. He, he was really just like a role player that could shoot threes yeah and you kind of see him like evolving and he went like like mid first or something like that just on hype cam reddish may be a guy that you can buy low on um maybe a good fit in washington um could play the three um but yeah i mean jamal, let's just jamal hope, murray fits in that bill too a little bit yeah right right and let, let's just hope you know the lot of balls hit her in a flavor favor i mean it's possible we have like only like a five percent chance or something but hey i'll take it yeah, I mean it's it's gonna it's gonna take a lot for us to get up there. I think there's gonna be some chaos though in the lo- in the lottery this year. I wrote about it for our website. Um, check it out on nicknackpodcast.com. Um, but I think I think a lot of people are underestimating how crazy this might get because the, the the odds have flattened out significantly. And I think I think at some point someone's gonna jump up and we could potentially see a scenario where the Knicks enter the lottery with the best odds and end up with the fifth pick, which I think would be devastating for them. Let me ask you a question. Yeah. If you have a revive potion and you can bring back Alex Smith or John Wall from the dead. Who would you do? Man. It's a tough one, right? Yeah, this one's hard. I think I, I think I would have to go with, with John Wall. Oh, really? Yeah. I was, I was going with Alex. You would go with Alex? <laughs> just, I, just just seeing how good we were with him. Um, but I think I think Wall. I think with Alex at the top of his game, I mean get get well soon, Alex. Obviously he's like we'll want to see you under center again. Um with with Wall, we pretend we legitimately had the best point guard in the East at one point. Yeah. People forget how amazing he was that one year. Yeah. So it's he was like, trying to, if he, if he's not hurt and he's at his, on his game, we, we, and with Beal, the, the way he's playing right now, that's, that's two of the top 14 guys in the East right now, or, or two of the top 20 guys in the league, two of the top 25 guys in the league. If Wall's peak and Beal's peak right now, um, I think that I, I think I would do that because I think I think this we I wish I could t- take the their both of their primes and put them together I think that's what we were expecting to happen and unfortunately we might not ever get to see that. Yeah, it's a good question. Um, but hey, man, I'm just happy we got rid of one of our bad GMs and I was in the camp that I actually thought Ernie was much worse than Bruce Allen. So if there's one to go, I was always wanted Ernie to go first. I think I think I, I think that's fair. I think Bruce has. Bruce has some skills. I think the problem that he runs yeah, into is that he tries to do 
everything, and that's. I mean, but, they say he's a great negotiator. Yeah, but his talent isn't really like like talent, like recruiting talent, and also like evaluating talent. Like that's why like Scott McLuhan and him seem like a perfect match, right? Because Scott did all the. Did all like the scouting and you know Bruce would do the negotiations, but and, and then Bruce yeah. was like, "No, I want to do the other stuff too. I'm good at it." And yeah. I'm like, Bro, <laughs> relax. <laughs> and apparently, he's just a beast of a salesman. Like apparently, people just meet him. And it's like, yo, this guy's a genius. Yeah, I mean, he he's like Bobby McFarlane. Yeah, Bobby. Yeah, Billy. Is it it's Billy McFarlane? Billy is it Billy? Fuck whatever. I think it's Billy McFarlane. Um, but no, yeah, apparently, like it's like what like he has it like whatever quote unquote it is. Bruce Allen apparently has it. Ernie Grunfeld does not, or at least. From what we've seen, he does not have it in any yeah, way. Yeah, I mean, if, no, if you want to talk about negotiations, you want to talk about evaluating talent, he's failed on all those fronts. So, I mean, what you, what can you really do here? Yeah, and like if you listen to this podcast and you're not from the DC area, you may not understand like the the sentiment around Ernie Grunfield. But just just think about like someone that's been in your life for so long, literally like our whole pretty much existence as fans, and he's made bad move after bad move, and the moment he leaves. We didn't get anyone, right? We're still in a fucked up cap situation. Or we probably one of the most least desirable jobs out there. But the fact that he left makes us so happy. I I legitimately felt almost as happy as I did the day the Caps won the cup today. Yeah, it's just the the fact that there's hope again, at least a little bit, because we were we were the, I think we were it's safe to say we were the laughing stock of the NBA this year. And I mean we we've, we've been Redskins fans our entire life. <laughs> we've been. Yeah. Like Orioles fans at some points, like the Wizards were bad when we were growing up. Right now, being being stuck in mediocrity and not knowing what's how we're going to figure our way out with a guy who is making taking these shortcuts and making short term moves over and over and over again to the point that we just we're we're just strapped for picks and cap and players that are hurt for the next four or yeah. five years and not knowing when it would end to have him finally get fired. I mean, it's, it's, I'm not going to, whatever, fuck it. Um, yeah. It's, I mean, it's, it's good. It's like, it, it's that, that feeling is like finally like, all right, we have something that we might be able to look forward to. I mean, like I was listening to Bill Simmons the other day. He was saying like the worst possible spot for Zion is the wizards. Yeah. And I was like, fuck, but like, he's not lying. <laughs> like he's really not. Like I was like looking down the list. I'm like, who would fuck up his career more? Probably the wizards. I mean, he'd be good anywhere. Probably he's that good. of a. I don't know if I, I don't know if I agree with that. I think, I think Simmons was just, is hating a little too hard. Yeah. He's just, yeah, obviously with that whole, like Zion know, fits actually really nicely into what we have here. Already. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, I mean, if John Wall comes back, you have a little big three. Yeah, and like it, we have enough space to maybe sign like a mid-level guy in there. Maybe bring Portis back. Um, pick up. A Shit, I thought you say bring Porter back. No, no, no bring Portis. sir, please bring no. bring Portis back. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, that's a, speaking of things that we missed while we were gone, I don't think I don't even think we talked about the outer Porter trade or any of that stuff. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, I think that Zion here is not that ba- as bad of a fit as some other spots. In the lottery. I mean, if he goes to Cleveland, I mean, come on, man. It's how lucky can one franchise get? If you go to Phoenix, they, they're they stockpiled with guys they've taken in the top three. It's like a young Wizards out there. And right now, even this year, they weren't able to put anything together. Devin Booker's dropping like 50 a game, and they're still losing. I mean, you plug Zion in, then and okay, like maybe they'll be a little bit better. I mean, they, that franchise hasn't been able to do anything with the talent they already have. Adding Zion might be a waste. Atlanta is Atlanta would probably be the best destination for him, but I don't think Wizards are are that far down that list in terms of teams that are picking the lottery. Yeah, I actually, mean the top team. The top team would actually be Dallas if they somehow won the lottery this year. Oh yeah, yeah. Porzingis, Luca, and Zion. Yeah, that that should be a sight. Yeah, um, I think they I think they have enough money enough room for a max this offseason too. And you, if you add like Porzingis, Luca, Zion, and Kemba. Mm-hmm. That's a squad. That's a team. That's a good team to watch. Um, yeah. Yeah. Anyways, great day, DC Sports. Um, yeah. I mean, that's how low it is. Like, literally, the last five years is the two best days of my life. It's probably today and the Caps winning the Stanley Cup. Did you get engaged like a few months ago? Oh, it's just, just DC Sports related. Oh, yeah. Okay, gotcha. No, no, not, not personal. <laughs> okay. We'll, we'll have a problem otherwise. Yeah. <laughs> um, for for yeah, yeah, I want to talk about a few other things. Um. The last couple of weeks, I've seen three movies, and I want to guess how many of them you've watched. Shoot me. <laughs> Shoot me. <laughs> Shoot. 
I shouldn't probably be saying that nowadays. But. Um, I'm going to guess that you watched one of these movies. I bet. All right. Captain Marvel? Nope. Triple Frontier? Nope. And Us? No. It's Damn over it. three. You didn't watch Us? I could have sworn, yeah. you, I, I sworn you would have watched Us at least. Is that This Is Us? No, I'm not talking about This Is Us. Not the, <laughs> yeah, I don't know, Doc. Not the drama. I'm talking about Jordan Peele. No Jordan Peele's follow-up to Get Out. I said no for me, dog. Do you even know what it's about? No. <laughs> All right. Um, if you haven't seen the movie yet, go ahead and go ahead and, and stop listening to the podcast because I'm, I want to walk Nick through this. And I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you everything. Is that fine? Yeah, I'm not going to watch it. Okay. Um, but yeah, if you, if you listen to the podcast so far, thanks for joining us on Nick Neck Podcast. Follow us on... Instagram, Twitter, at KnickKnackPod, online, KnickKnackPodcast.com. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, um, and Spotify. Um, but, Nick, okay, so th- Us is Jordan Peele's follow-up to Get Out. Did you watch Get Out? Oh, I heard about Yeah, I know who Jordan Peele is. I know what Get Out is, and I heard he's coming out with a new movie. Yes. So. Is All it right. on Netflix? No, it's not on Netflix. Um, it just came out in theaters maybe like two weeks ago. So it's, it involves a, a family that's on vacation. Um, they're going to a beach town. Um, they they check into they they have like a like a timeshare kind of house thing there. Okay. Um, the mom is the mom is freaking out a little bit. She's like, "Hey, like I don't really like going to the beach." Oh, actually, I should start here. The movie starts with uh, starts in the eighties. It's a little girl on a boardwalk. Um, she wanders in wanders away from her parents into a fun house, a mirrors. And while she's in there, she's wandering around. It's dark. It's storming outside. Um, she's by herself. She's r- roaming around the thing, trying to find an exit. And she turns around and sees a little girl who looks exactly like herself. Mm. And they're in a fun house. Um, but this girl is, is very much there. She's standing there. She looks exactly like this girl. Um, the girl looks surprised. And then all of a sudden, you, it flashes forward to a family driving to um vacation on the same beach while they're at this house this is where it gets crazy um the son looks outside he's like hey there's a family on our driveway and they look outside and there's five people that look exactly like them all right mm-hmm. all the, and so the dad goes outside he's like hey the fuck y'all doing um can we help you they kind of stand there and all of a sudden the mom claps and then there's this huge home invasion. They come in, sitting down. This family looks exactly fucking like the family that's living in the house. Mm-hmm. All right. Whoa. Yeah. Although, except they're like just a little bit off. They're like one guy, one get the, the mom has a weird voice. The dad's like fronting a lot. The kid's acting like a dog. Like it's kind of, it kind of, it's kind of crazy. And then it turns into this whole thing where they were part of this whole government program that was underground and cloning everyone in the country. And this was some sort of, the government program was abandoned and they left these people underground. And this is the uprising where they're coming up and they're going to kill all their, all their, the people that they're clones of. What? What is, what is your reaction to the, what the fuck I just told you? I'm, I'm fucking interested. This is, this is some twisted ass shit, but it got my eyeballs. Okay. See, my problem with movies is like, I'll get on Twitter in like two minutes, but I think this movie, I might actually pay attention. Okay, um, I thought it was okay. I thought it was fine. It was, <laughs> it was, uh, it was interesting. It was, it was a good follow up to get out, but I didn't think it was as good. Um, but it's the story. The story seemed a little ambitious to me. I mean, I, I, I get it. The, the, the whole government thing comes in later, like much later in the story. But for a while, you're still confused about what the fuck is going on. Um, I think that I think that with Jordan Peele, a lot of people were anticipating this movie, and a lot of people probably. Get, Viewed it with the same lens that you get out in, I, but I, it wasn't the masterpiece I was expecting. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I think it got a lot of hype because of his last movie, right? And they're having that expectations. Yeah, so I mean, anyway, that's what that's what I thought of us. I mean, I, I, I was gonna write something about it. I, it just, it's something that I had to chew on for a really long time, and by then it was like a few weeks had passed, and I was like, all right, you know what? I think everyone's written what they have to write about this uh, this movie. Um, but right. I did review Captain Marvel. I did review Triple Frontier. For the website and I'll, yep. I'll try to keep i'll try to keep posting those a little bit more often as we go forward yeah let's keep it going uh and maybe you do some game of thrones eh yeah no we definitely need to do that i think uh 
Because yeah. I'll actually be able to speak be to be you. Able to, be able to contribute. You might actually watch. You want to just, <laughs> I just, I just, just, <laughs> you want just be like, oh, shit, that was crazy. Um, I have been following the odds uh, for the people to rule Westeros, which is really interesting because the odds keep changing. I don't know what the hell are changing these lines. Uh-huh. Um, who's, I'm just like, who, what is what data is feeding into Vegas that changes these lines? Um, I try not to look at those because, like, I mean, that, like people, yeah, it's people like a spoiler, know, you know the ending so. at this point. And I don't want that trickling out. And... So, but... This, this is what I would say. There's like at least three or four people with similar odds up front. So it begs the question that uh, there may be some mystery around it because it's not like one clear-cut favorite. I want to I know, what do, you, what do you not want to happen this year? Uh, I don't I, – I don't want – like I think it will be boring if just like Khaleesi and her two dragons just beat all like the White Walkers and take over everything because I think that's kind of everyone's kind of seen that kind of coming. And her t- teamed up with Jon Snow now it's like that, you know, lovable couple of them taking over. It seems pretty anticlimactic for me. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't want I don't want that ending where it's like, oh, like Samuel Tarly is is yeah. now is now king, and you guys are like, ah, oh, you didn't expect that at all. I feel like that's probably the opposite end of the spectrum than than Jon and Khaleesi um, taking over. Um, there, there's like a few things that. Uh, I, I feel like it'd be a cop out if they if they did it at this point. I mean, like, and I'll be surprised. I mean, the one thing to know about the shows is don't expect anything because whatever you expect doesn't happen, right? Yeah, and like some of the, some of the, the the books book people like have their theories about things that haven't actually happened in the show yet. Um, but yeah, like, I think a lot of those like I think at the show at this point they need to embrace the fact that they have broken off from the books and don't be afraid to just give us the ending you want rather than what everyone who reads the books is expecting. Yeah. So what's next? I, once this is done, is there like a, are they doing like a prequel or something? Yeah. It's going to be about the long night. Um, it's heard, yeah. been heard. It's been mentioned a lot on the show. Uh, yeah. it's, it's about like this, this, this winter that lasted for, for years. Um, in, in Winterfell, like kids were born and died, not yeah. having seen sunlight, things like, things like yeah. that. I mean, the seasons are the seasons are weird in Westeros, but that's that's probably what's going to follow HBO. And then I think Amazon will have a have their Lord of the Rings show coming uh, coming soon too for anyone that needs that that that, that fix mm-hmm. at that point. Right now, I mean, there's also like Billions and stuff is out. I mean, I'm not. I mean, you don't watch Billions either, right? No, I, I actually do. I, I haven't watched the new season yet. You haven't watched the new season? I mean, I think there's just something missing right now. I mean, I don't want to give anything away if you haven't seen it. Yeah, yeah um, I'm gonna watch. It, though, so, yeah. But it's like something something's just off about the show. Like it's it. Like the the swagger that it had is not is not there, and I don't yeah. know I don't know exactly what it is. Um, I hope it I hope something happens soon. But so far the first th- the first three weeks I'm a little a little disappointed. Yeah, I mean we've seen this in many shows. Like it's hard to maintain that swagger into multiple seasons. Like very f- few shows have done that. You know you, it loses its glam after a while. And I think you know I wouldn't be surprised if that show does that. Yeah, I mean it's like the for anyone that watched up to the last season. I mean that Axe and Chuck seemingly squashed their squashed their beef. Um, and are, are going to be working against uh, people that are trying to take them down at this point. And I don't know if you even know if they're doing that properly right now. It's uh, it's it's interesting to watch. I mean, yeah, it's hard to maintain what they, they maintained for the first three seasons. But, yeah, right now, I hope it turns around because this isn't the show that I'm used to watching out of them. Yeah. But anyways, man, a lot of good stuff coming. Um, Got to run this podcast back more often. Yeah. Well, we won't take a – we won't – we definitely won't take a few months before the next for the next podcast. We'll try to come back and do something for Game of Thrones next week. Uh, Nicky, anything else you want to you want to add before we get here? No, nah, that's it. All right, thanks for listening to the Knickknack Podcast. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, or Spotify. Um, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at KnickknackPod and KnickknackPodcast.com. And with that, Knickknack out. Good night, DC. See y'all next week. We won't see you any grumble. Thanks for listening to the Nick Knack Podcast. Subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or Google Play Music.